0: being salt made him thirsty and I wasn't Mm. just throwing it out there as if like this, it's not valuable. He saw that I valued it so much that I wasn't just going to share it with anybody and it was different. Welcome to the Hub Podcast, a resource for house church leaders to foster and guide healthy house churches toward deep devotion. Contagious Community, and Missional Imagination. This is an extension of Common Ground Northeast Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thanks for tuning in. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Hub Podcast. My name is Sam Linetti. I am the Formation Pastor at Common Ground Northeast here with Mr. Eric Thien.
1: I'm Eric Thien, I'm the lead pastor at Common Ground Northeast, and we are continuing our reflection on a series that we're doing in our services right now called Wildfire, about uh, kind of a fearless, spontaneous, um, you know, way of, of spreading the gospel that it, that it should and um, can look like a wildfire in its transmission from us. And so we broke that down into a few different ways based off of a book by Ed Waken, a friend of mine who wrote a book called Wildfire. And um, all fires need three things. They need heat, which we identified as the love of God that burns hot in us. We need fuel and we need oxygen. And today we're gonna to be talking about the fuel inside of, of catalyzing or creating a wildfire. And so I just wanna give that quick definition. What is what is the fuel that is necessary inside of this. And, um, the, 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 the the basic understanding of that is the fuel is our lives given over to God in surrender, submission, obedience that causes fruitfulness. So we say yes, and we maybe rearrange our lives and our schedules and, uh, parts of our funds in order to say, we are going to prioritize sharing and spreading the gospel inside of our, um, oikoses, inside of our our places of influence, the households that we have influence in. And to kick us off, I want to ask uh, Sam, um, he, he, inside of our uh, staff meetings and in all kinds of different ways, Pastor Sam will reference this thing that he calls the art of fishing. And um, it's just a, a cool way that he has developed to leverage his life towards evangelistic conversations and starting those things. So it's a very practical way and a very practical moment in our podcast to stop and say, how do you how do you begin these conversations? How do you do this? And so uh, Sam, give us a little bit more information. What is the art of fishing?
0: Yeah, um, really excited to, to talk about this. This is near and dear to my heart. Um, so just a quick side, I grew up fishing a ton. My dad used to fish competitively. So I spent a ton of time on the water at different lakes and whatnot. And so fishing's kind of kind of always been in my core. So love to get a shout out to my dad for teaching me how to fish one and giving me a passion for this, (laughs) but you can also recognize now that when I was reading through scripture, especially at a very early age and reading that Jesus picked fishermen and he said, you will now be fishers of men. It wasn't just like a cool pun that he threw out there. There was an intentionality behind it of like, what is the art of fishing and how do you then translate it into what it means to share the gospel? And so I've always been intrigued by that. And if anybody fishes, they, you know, they kind of know, man, there's, there's some like um, different cues, techniques, different, it's an art uh, and it's not like how we mm-hmm. thought, like when you fish now, like you, you throw on a bait and you throw it out there and you see what you can catch and there's some to it. But when they're talking about fishing here, they were throwing out nets and they were trying to gather large groups. And so they were constantly having to read certain things like weather, yeah. like, um, like the wind patterns, the weather patterns, the, the water color, the temperature of the water, all these things. And we They didn't have the the technology that we have today. They were all having to do this Mm -hmm. from instinct. And and what I'm seeing, what what I've experienced at least, the unfortunate byproduct of some really good things within churches to try to, again, maybe put some structure and programs around some missional ideas. We've hijacked some people's natural instincts to actually fish for Mm -hmm. people. And so that's why I use kind of that term, uh, art of fishing. That's kind of where it's, uh, come up, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, give us some examples, man. How, how is it that you fish? How, how is it, how does this work itself fit into, um, you know, the, the missional or evangelistic kind of context?
0: Yeah. So, uh, for, for the sake of this conversation, I broke it up into three different topics I'd like to talk about. Uh, One being the first one, relational equity. Uh, The Mm -hmm. second one being that salty life. And the third Mm -hmm. being casually deep. And and these have come up with people that I've talked with about, okay, if it's not a cookie cutter approach to this is how I share the gospel, what does it mean to live a life that speaks the gospel and and causes people to, you know, change or or change the communities, cultures we're in? Mm -hmm. So first one, relational equity first off, everybody needs to know that influence, you have it, whether you want it or not. And tell our youth all this all the time, whether you want influence or not, you have it. If you have a relationship with somebody, you influence them either positively or negatively towards good things or bad things. You have influence. So if you think about spheres of influence, uh, we talk about it on Sundays often. Think about your neighbors that you come in contact with, Think about the people that you frequent at grocery stores and in community, whether you try or not, you come in contact with them. Um, Think about the people at work that you come in contact with. Think about uh, your friends, you have influence, your family. Um, Like all of these places are what we would consider spheres of influence. Mm -hmm. And the more time you spend with these people, the more what I would call relational equity that you have. So consistency breeds community, which can breed deeper relationships. And so if we want to see transformational relationships happen, you need to continue to build relational equity. And so part of that is, well, how do I even start? If somebody would come to you like, okay, Pastor Sam, I know I have influence, but how do I start leveraging that? I would say, you need to start thinking about intentional overlap. What does that mean? Well, do life on life with people. It's really easy for us to not do that now. And in an in in individualistic society, it's easy for us to step back, do our own thing and not worry about people. But if we truly if we truly want to make impact, then our presence um, has a profound impact, especially if we're allowing the presence of God to influence our lives. So we talk about mm-hmm. heat. If our lives are surrounded by love and surrounded by all of that, our presence in some of these areas... Uh, actually allow the, the heat of the love of Christ in us radiate out and maybe catch other, other people. And so mm-hmm. um, easy example, easy example. I could build a maybe personal gym in my garage. I know that's a popular mm-hmm. thing right now with some people. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. So I could build a personal gra- uh, gym in my garage. Now, for convenience sake, I would probably work out a lot more, truth be told. But we need to learn to sacrifice convenience for community at times. So instead of doing that, we buy a Y membership. And now I'm going to commit to going to the why. Why do I do that? I may not work out five times a week. I might work out two, maybe three times a week. But if I consistently do that, it's intentionally building relational equity in those spaces. It's giving me an opportunity to build community and to build it consistently. So if I'm constantly going on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there's a good chance the same people are going there Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which gives me more opportunities for touch points, to touch, to to talk with them, to to communicate with them, to bring up life things. You are Mm -hmm. intentionally creating relational equity in those spaces. Does that make sense? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you just said stop working out sacrifice getting jacked and get to know people.
0: <laughs> well, I think you can do a little bit of both.
1: <laughs> no, I get you. It's uh, it's one of those, um, you know, trying to overlap and make sure that the things you do are d- being done in a public sphere so that you can interact with more people. Um, definitely. I think that's uh, a huge, a huge part of that, your presence. If you are on fire for God, they will feel that heat ruminating Yeah, Uh, you know, coming off of of you, and so just making sure that uh, you—I mean, I'll throw this out um, there—as an introvert, right? I I do not allow myself to indulge my introversion because I would rather just stay home a lot of the time. So I I actually see that kind of as a as a type of sin, and I I don't mean that to like condemn other introverts. I just mean um, there are times that I need to recharge, but I but I think if I indulged that in me, I would just stay home and not do lots of things. And so I have committed to work actively against that and allow myself measured amounts of time alone and reflection and thinking. But, um, one of the things I will constantly have to fight in my own, um, you know, internal, uh, tendencies is for, and, and specifically for the sake of mission. Like I, I don't, get to be just alone all the time and read, you know, read the scriptures and do all of these things that you can use to justify personal um, growth. Uh, But if that is not effective out there in the public square, it's not effective uh, for fruitfulness and for the kingdom. And so, um, you know, as an, as another example, I do think just presence in and of itself um, in your neighborhoods, if you're always gone, if you're always at, at work, you know, how do you get to know your neighbors Um, you know, but from, for those of you who maybe um, are in situations where, you know, your commute is problematic to getting to know your neighbors, or if you're always out doing the, um, the, uh, you know, kids and sports and stuff. um, I mean, you can be building in all those places at your workplace on the soccer field. If your kids, you know, do something like that, or in a sport, those are all adequate places, but I, but I'm always kind of convicted, like, uh, when I hear when my neighbor, you know, you guys are pretty busy, kind of coming and going, and I realize I don't get to know him very well just because I'm not present in my own yeah. neighborhood.
0: Yeah, and so I like you're exactly right. So, so part of what I think we need to think through when it comes to relational equity is it's not necessarily adding new things to yeah. an already busy life. It's it's kind of considering and trying to rethink where yep. there are already avenues by which maybe we can overlap some of these things so like for instance you were talking about um like sports and stuff if you have kids which i know a lot of our population does not everyone but if you have kids maybe consider with some of your neighbors what are some other different uh leagues or places where they interact with sports what are they getting involved with and if it seems legit and it's and it's a good fit Mm -hmm. maybe consider jumping into those leagues as opposed to something else so that you Mm -hmm. can start to carpool and interact with people on a more Mm day-to-day basis. Something that I know, Eric, that I've intentionally done and uh, I kind of get crack jokes about it of like my new office space, but every Thursday Mm -hmm. I've picked a new coffee shop that I go into nearly every Thursday and I sit and I work at least in the morning there. And some of it is for my extroversion Mm -hmm. I need to be around people. But the other side of it is it's gotten to the point, everyone, Eric, that when a manager was leaving for a new job, she came out, sat down with me and had a conversation almost like we were breaking up. And it was (laughs) like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I'm actually this and this and this, and I know you're a pastor, but like, would you be praying for this?
1: Mm, It's great. Really? Yeah,
0: sure. Uh, for sure. And, and somebody actually ran into them at the grocery store the other day. And they said, hey, I didn't see you at the coffee shop this week. Where were you?
1: <laughs> That's good.
0: And, and, and so what you're seeing is an, an intentionality to consistency in a certain space. And that is relational equity. The fact that they're saying, where are you? Is, the, is showing me that I have enough relation, relational equity there mm-hmm. that you can actually start to maybe build into the lives of these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the thing. So it doesn't yeah, have to be an extra presence thing. for sure. It's just rethinking some of the things you're already doing. How can I maybe intentionally overlap a missional aspect to it rather than just getting what I need to get done, get done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how, you know, how you've broken your, you know, what the art of fishing is in your next spot. But I, I, one of the things I wanted you to maybe bring up is we had a conversation where you kind of talked about starting conversations with people and and the way, you know, kind of going from zero to, you know, to, is, do you trust Jesus with your entire life is is a little, is a, is a crazy jump. I know when I did a ministry called Apartment Life, um, one of our introduction questions that they just asked. This is like, Hey, just ask people if you can pray for them. That's a, that introduces a spiritual conversation. Uh, rarely can, do you find someone who will say, do not pray for me. Right. But they'll usually listen to, you know, or list something that you can begin praying about. And then you always have the opportunity to go back. And this is a very, like, it, it's not a, a project it is like you really investing and caring about something that's going on in their life. And you follow up later and say, Hey, how, how did that surgery, your mom's surgery go the other week and showing that concern and shepherding um, people who are around you. So it'd be an obvious, like, you know, one introduction type of point, but I, but you mentioned some almost like, uh, creating, uh, I don't even know what term, but creating interest, <laughs> you know, Hey, what do you you know, how, what, what is it about your life that you're doing? You kind of like, ah, oh, you're not ready for that <laughs> yeah. kind of a thing. So maybe, maybe talk about that a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I do think when you talked about like.
1: or Wetting their appetite, maybe that's the salty life, right?
0: The salty life. Right. So like you talked about going from zero to hundred. And I think again, sometimes in our attempts to give really good tools for evangelism, sometimes we've only been conditioned to go from zero to a hundred, but what we're trying to do is deconstruct that a little bit to realize that, yeah. um, it's our relationship, our love and our, and our lives that really need to be speaking. And so, I mean, there's a saying, um, I'm not really sure if it came from St. Francis, I think you've actually like pushed back against this. So don't take me for this, but it said, <laughs> you know, share the gospel. In oh, everything I know that you do. Yeah. And And, and, uh, Yeah. When when necessary necessary. use words.
1: Yeah. It's attributed to St. Francis, but I think it actually was not him. It's someone else. Um, But uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely a good, you know, yeah, I don't disagree with it. I just think sometimes there's more, but go I mean, feel free. Keep, keep going.
0: Absolutely. Well, the idea of uh, you were saying like giving people thirst. So Matthew seven, six was always something that I never understood. And it said, do not give what is sacred to dogs and don't throw your pearls to pigs because they will trample over them and then turn and devour you.
1: And I'm going, wait a second. <laughs> it's, it's an intense right? picture.
0: And I'm going, hold up. Because every, every, every person that has um, influenced my life with faith, every person that's attempted to disciple me in one way, shape or form has always shared with me, you need to share your faith. You need to talk, tell them about Jesus. And that is something that is precious to me. That is like pearls, right? That is something that's like sacred for me, especially if you have an intimate relationship with your faith in Jesus. And so I had that, but here it's going, Hey, don't throw what is sacred to dogs. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. And I'm going, you're telling me to be careful with it, but everything has told me to actually throw it out there. Right. Right. And so I'm like, what is this thing? And I finally understood what they were talking about because there's other times when followers of Jesus were told to be as shrewd as vipers and innocent as doves.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, Even you see Jesus ti- like being calculated almost in his timing. Like I say this in parables and not in others you know what i mean like i i am clear in some areas or for some people who have eyes to see or ears to hear but there is a calculated way in which jesus sometimes releases the information about his messiahship and withholds that at other times
0: right and right yeah. and so an analogy that i've used in the past that i think could be relevant here is are you trying to feed somebody good food are you trying to start a food fight and so, and and so if you think That's about good. it like oftentimes we might throw out jesus or scripture or you know you need to give your life to jesus almost like we're throwing food at somebody and expecting them to eat it but if they're if they don't know they're hungry and they're not looking to eat then they're going to turn around and throw food back at you like why are you throwing this at me and yeah. so when it comes down to it Are we trying to force feed people and throw stuff at them, or are we simply trying to get to get this ready for this serve people, real food? Mm -hmm. And so, um, somebody told me a long time, like live a questionable life. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, well, for the kingdom, live a questionable life, not saying like go off the Mm -hmm, handle, but like for the kingdom, live a questionable, live in such a way. And we talk about this almost reckless abandon towards your obedience, live in such a way that causes people to go, okay, you don't live by the same paradigms, principles, and what the world is telling you should, you know, the way in which you should live. What is it that you're living by? You're living in such a way that causes people to ask questions. And whenever I read like you are the salt of the earth. Yeah. What does salt do? It gives a taste to the things that don't have taste. It's often Mm -hmm. used to, to, um, preserve. Yeah. And in wounds it's thrown in there to actually help clean and heal. So if we think of being the salt of the earth, sharing the good news, these are ways in which I think we can share these things. And so it's not just throwing it out there because what you're doing is leaving yourself susceptible to people who only want to see your destruction and they'd want to try to tear apart Christianity and your faith. You don't have to throw yourselves out there like that. What it's saying is find, find people in places where when you're talking about it, sharing about it, whatnot, it's like, have some discernment there. Jesus even did the same thing with his apostles. When he sent them out there, he said, listen, like, see if it's a home that is of, of peace. And if it's not leave, shake the dust off mm. your feet, say thank you, and continue on. There is a discernment that happens here, right? But it always says, no matter if, if you're living a questionable life, if you're, if you're living radically for Jesus and people are asking questions and all that stuff, it says, always be ready to give an account of the hope that you have. And, and so I believe we always need to give an account of the hope that we have, but we don't always need to lead with, hey, You don't know jesus let me tell you about him because you need to know him because quite frankly if people don't know they need it if people don't have a desire and they don't realize the void in their life or 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 the poverty rooted talks about this re-understanding this idea of poverty and we all are in poverty spiritually then they're not going to care what you have to say Mm -hmm. And and I, some people, and this drives me, not some people will say like when they're literally trying to share the gospel, well, the Bible says Mm. that's not always bad, but if you're trying to make an argument for scripture or Jesus of somebody who doesn't have an authority of the Bible and you say, the Bible said, well, it doesn't have authority. What, why are you sharing that? Mm. And so what I know real
1: quick, I'll make a quick comment on that. We had a neighbor of ours who I've shared with this lady, um, just a friend of ours who, uh, in Phoenix, where we, um, moved in and she lived next door and, um, you know, some, some kind of, I guess a traumatic and, um, crisis moment happened and she came, I mean, she had to grab her grandson and run into our house. So she knew that we were, you know, by, by nothing other than our, our availability. And, you know, she knew she could trust us. Her grandson was at our house a lot. Um, and so, uh, she knew we were the place of safety when she needed to get out of a situation that was going on at her house. But, um, it, eventually she joined a Bible study of ours, uh, that she had said, I will never step foot in your church. I remember her telling me that directly one time, yeah. you know, as uh, we love you, you know, but, um, don't, you know, don't go there with me. I'm never going to do that. But we started a, you know, a small house church in our house, um, in a Bible study And I even remember there was a point where she, you know, someone's using the Bible in that context and, and it's a Bible study. And she's like, you Christians and your Bible. And so you always just think like, you can just say the Bible says this and we don't have to do it. So I don't even get like why you, uh, you know, you care about that. And in the room, I remember kind of cringing, not from what she said, but worried about what those who, who were part of our church already, the church people, how they might respond to that. And I could Mm -hmm. see them light up. Like they were going to, you know, like correct her in this moment. But I'm thankful. I saw the face change. I'm watching this person and he kind of like, looks like he's going on the defense and he stops and he says, Hey, can you tell me more about what, what, you know, what do you think the Bible is? And kind of cultivated a conversation out of that. But even that, I mean, I watched the misstep um, and we can easily get, you know, kind of fall for that, that idea. And Andy Stanley's always talking about this, you know, not to personal witness is maybe a better tool than saying, Hey, the Bible said blank versus even just rearranging your language and saying, uh, Paul, this guy named Paul once said, because yep. people in our day and age in a postmodern world, respect people's stories and personal narratives, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, kind of doing it in a way that highlights the the narrative and the story. So I
0: would love to share a, a personal story about that specifically cha- kind of changing your, yeah. your, christianese if you will um Mm. so i lived in a um in a fraternity in college and this wasn't a christian fraternity y'all and so um
1: (laughs) little disclaimer have to yeah
0: it was it wasn't m-o-g it was phi delta theta so um m-o-g meaning men of god sorry that that's an actual fraternity that a buddy of mine started context there my bad so i'm living in this fraternity And I remember specifically a fraternity brother came up to me one time and said, Hey, so like, you know, what Ask me the question, what is it? Like you don't do things that a lot of people do here. Like you live a little bit different. And I think you're a little bit nuts. Like, what is it? And I looked at him. Hmm. I'm like, dude, seriously, you wouldn't believe me if I told you.
1: And I'm like, (laughs) "Yeah." he
0: he goes, really? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, you'll think I'm crazy. And he goes, well, like seriously. And I'm like, no, nah, you don't want to know. And he's like, all right, whatever. And so he walked away. This was at lunch. Literally the next day he walks up and he goes, okay, for real. I'm like, for real, what? And he goes, I really want to know, like you have, con- you're consistently different. What's the deal? And I was like, you, so you really want to know, huh? He said, yeah. I was like, all right, come to my room. Let's talk. So we walked up and I was like, you're going to think I'm crazy. And he goes, all right. I was like, you sure? He goes, yeah. And I said, all right. So I've been, I've been getting it for like, I've been reading this really good book. Notice I didn't say Bible. It was a really good book. And he goes, yeah. I was like, yeah. And literally all this stuff has been coming from that. And he goes, what is it? I'm like, don't think I'm nuts. And he goes, all right. And I said, <laughs> it's the Bible. And he goes, for real? I'm like, yeah. He goes, nah, I'm like, see, I told you, you're going to think I'm nuts. And he goes, no, 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 no. Okay. okay." I told you you
1: weren't ready. (laughs)
0: He goes, No, no, seriously. And he goes, I was like, all right. So for instance, when we were talking about this conversation at lunch three days ago, and I was talking about this and people are like, man, that's a good idea. You remember that? And he goes, yeah. I said, I took that from, and I opened to the scripture verse and Mm. said, we were commanded to do this. And he goes, dang, it's right there. I said, yeah. Mm. And And he goes, so all the Bible's like this. And I said, yeah, it's chock full of life lessons like this and stuff. Mm. And he goes, hey, y'all do that interfraternal Bible study, what, on Thursday nights? And I said, yeah. And he goes, could I roll with you? I'm like, yeah, anybody can come. He goes, do I need mm. a Bible? I'm like, no, nah, I got one for you. It's all good. He goes, cool. Mm. He started coming. And I, and I share that because that's what when Matthew 7, 6 made sense to me. Mm. Because what happened was being salt Made him thirsty, and it. I wasn't mm. just throwing it out there as if like this. It's not valuable. He saw that I valued it so much that I wasn't just going to share it with anybody, and it was different.
1: Mm. That's great. Well, man, I know we're we're actually running out of time for this podcast. This round, we had a couple other talking points, but yeah. um, I think we can actually just save those for later and um, and talk about it. Uh, and just to give you maybe a teaser. Uh, this phrase we use here on, on site and in, in, our, in our staff is uh, missional imagination. What is, what is missional imagination and what is it, um, how can we cultivate it and how can we use it for the sake of um, moving into to, um, you know, where we believe the Holy Spirit is telling us to be kingdom minded and to be evangelistic in our everyday thing. But, uh, think about that. We'll, we'll, we'll do that in the next one. Our next podcast is actually going to focus specifically on oxygen. And so, uh, you'll have to come back next round to see what that's about. Uh, I want to leave you though, with this reflection idea, where are you fishing? Where, where is the art of fishing working itself out in your life? Have you thought through ways in which, um, and we talked about having tools in your tool belt, toolbox, uh, ways that you can catalyze conversations. Um, the idea of, of, you know, living a salty life and even creating uh, thirst inside of people. And so where, where are you doing it? And now the next question is where have you been neglecting doing that? Where are maybe some people that um, you need to begin praying and uh, asking God to give you openings and then intentionally seeking out those openings. Um, again, not out of projects, out of love, fueled and, and, and heated and, and, and the temperature raised out of a passionate love that you have for God and for others. Um, and so we'll leave you with those reflections, be praying, thinking about it and maybe take the chance to act on that being obedient to the possibility that, that the Holy spirit might be nudging you to take that risk. Um, and you may, you may be surprised at where people are at people might be more interested than you thought they might be less antagonistic than you thought they might just be in a place where God has been preparing them on the other side to receive that seed. And, um, We'll leave you with that on that note. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us um, with the Hub Podcast.
0: Catch you next time. We appreciate you stopping by and spending some time with us today. Make sure to check out the previous episodes on Hub Podcast. If you're interested in information on Common Ground Northeast, check out cgnortheast.com. We'll catch you next time.